I'm Marianne Kolbesuk-McGee, Managing Editor at Healthcare Info Security. As part of efforts to improve post-market surveillance, the Food and Drug Administration has proposed a unique device identification system for medical devices. Today we're talking to Jay Crowley, Senior Advisor for Patient Safety at the FDA's Center for Devices and Radiological Health. Jay will discuss what the proposed unique device ID system means for medical device safety and security. Hi, Jay. Good morning. Could you tell us a little about your role at FDA? Sure. Um, As you mentioned, uh, my title is Senior Advisor for Patient Safety, and so I've been working on a a number of issues associated with uh, the development of of systems to improve our understanding of, of device safety over the years. Um, and currently, I have primary responsibility for the development and implementation of FDA's unique device identification system, which was mandated originally in the FDA Amendments Act of 2007, and further congressional requirements came about in the more recent FDA User Fee Authorization Act, uh, the FDA Safety and Innovation Act, which was pub- which was signed into law in July of this year. So there's a number of pieces to it uh, beyond the regulation, but uh, I have responsibility overall for for the development of the system. Tell us how the proposed ID system and its related database could improve FDA's post-market surveillance of medical device safety. I think one of the the primary interests the agency has in in unique device identification is really to improve our post-market surveillance activities. Um, So this includes both adverse event reporting as well as some of our efforts around device surveillance, such as the Sentinel Initiative. The problem that we have right now, or I should say in contrast to what happens in the pharmaceutical space where national drug code or NDC numbers are used to identify pharmaceutical products throughout the life of, of those products, and that information then finds its way into adverse event reports or into large population-based data sets that allow various sorts of public health questions to be answered and then research to be conducted. Um, what we lack in the medical device space is any sort of standardized, unambiguous identifier like an NDC code. So what we see and, and the advantages that we, we hope to accrue are around actually very specific identification of medical devices throughout the device lifecycle. So in adverse event reports, in other post-market surveillance activities, in our Sentinel uh, initiative, having this very granular standardized identifier will allow us to aggregate reports, to see trends, to to validate signals, um, a whole host of activities from FDA's post-market surveillance and a whole host of benefits that can accrue. Um, In addition, we see advantages in terms of uh, some of our other post-market activities such as device recalls, where currently um, it's very difficult for the healthcare system in general to find recalled products because of the lack of a standardized identifier and and then the lack of that identifier finding its way into appropriate data systems. Recalls are very, very difficult to conduct. So uh, there's a whole host of, of activities, and we haven't even really touched on some of the counterfeit and diversion activities that we think can be supported by UDI. We have some import safety activities that that will definitely be supported by UDI. So just having this foundational um, identification element, everyone talking about medical devices in the same way, just as we talk about pharmaceutical products the same way that we talk about retail products with the UPC code in the same way, we have metadata associated with these products, consistent, standardized, trusted data associated with these products. 
all of this, we believe, will um, happen with, with FDA's UDI system that we're putting into place now. Could the system help identify devices that might be having safety issues caused by malware? I believe it can. I mean, in much the same way that UDI will help identify a whole host of problems that, that can accrue, we believe that safety and security issues are, are part of that subset of problems. The issue that we have now is not having, not being able to identify specific products or specific devices that are subject of problems and trying to aggregate those reports either across manufacturers or across the device industry as a whole. So what we believe is that UDI will give us that visibility that we're looking for and that foundation that we need in order to identify signals, identify potential signals, work with manufacturers, work with other stakeholders to, to validate those signals and then work forward to resolve any potential problems and be able to resolve those problems at an appropriate level. Um, one of the issues we have now is not knowing specifically which products are the subject of a particular problem. We end up in the medical device space with very broad recalls. So we recall all products of a particular type, even though it may be just a particular version or a particular model of a product. Getting down both in terms of identification and resolution to a very granular level, I think will support a host of activities and, and help improve our use of devices in the healthcare space in general. What are the three classes of medical devices that will be covered under the UDI? FDA has pre-market risk class, uh, this whole structure that we have primarily for our pre-market review process. So there are three classes of devices. Uh, class three are our highest risk devices um, and are typically subject to PMAs, uh, pre-market approvals, and these are our riskiest devices. Most of these tend to be new products coming onto the market. Um, we have class two devices, which are medium risk products. And this is a very large class. These are subject to our 510K clearance process and covers a wide range of products from ventilators and infusion pumps to some standalone software and contact lenses and just a, a very wide range of products. And then finally, uh, we have class one products, lowest risk products that are actually mostly exempt from any pre-market review. And these tend to be uh, mostly disposable kinds of products, low risk disposable kinds of products. What are the most common or most dangerous safety issues in medical devices that the UDI might help address or identify? I think the real problem that we're trying to address here is just identifying potential problems. I've worked in the post-market office within the Center for Devices for many years, and we've struggled with identifying quickly and efficiently problems that arise with medical devices. So there have been some rather uh, spectacular issues that have been raised more recently if we think about the metal metal hip issues that have come to light recently, some of the ICD lead issues that have also been raised in, in recent years, very large recalls that cover um, many, many patients. Uh, these are obviously implantable devices. And the reason, or one of the reasons that these recalls tend to be so big to cover so many patients is that it has taken us, uh, us being the healthcare industry, quite a while to discern the degree of the problem and how severe it was and what really needs to happen. And what we believe is that having UDI, having UDI tied to, say, patients' electronic health records or to registries or to other data sets such as uh, reimbursement uh, data sets, 
payer data sets um, allow us access to and insight into how these devices are really working in a much more real-time environment and allow us to you know, validate potential concerns or signals much more quickly. So I think there's a, there's a host of problems, everything from the kinds of issues that I've just raised in terms of sort of uh, the kinds of patients that these devices have been used in. We get into you know, issues with clinical trials and then the application of devices beyond clinical trials to manufacturing problems, to counterfeit products, so, you know, really having that visibility, which we lack now, into the use of the safety of the effectiveness of these products is really what's going to allow us to identify problems much more quickly. Obviously, then, if we can identify them more quickly, we can resolve them more quickly, and we can reduce the, the, the exposure of a problematic device to patients. And it may mean not necessarily taking a device off the market, but, you know, restricting its use to a particular subset of patients or improving the way that it's, it's used either by patients or clinicians. Um, so it's really that visibility that we're looking for that will allow us, allow us, and I mean that in a very broad sense, healthcare system in, in, in broad way, clinicians, patients, medical device manufacturers, payers, FDA, to really understand device, how devices are being used, improve our, our understanding of device use, improve our risk profile associated with devices, and just allow us to all um, use these devices much more safely and effectively. Do you have any sense of how frequently malware might be involved with medical device issues? I know that, they, that it does occur. I'm not, it's, it's not a space that I'm uh, familiar with specifically. We have experts within the, the center that deal with this. But obviously software um, in general um, and in the medical device space specifically is a concern, you know, our, our growing um, reliance on, on software and software systems. We talk about electronic health records and other clinical information systems. And our need to and, and our reliance on these systems just highlights our need to, to understand how they operate and to be, to be able to identify problems very quickly. So I'm sure that there, is, there are software problems, both those that occur because of design issues or implementation issues or use issues as well as malware issues that we believe um, having UDI will allow us to really identify these trends much more quickly than we're able to now and identify the devices, software, I think um, is a prime example of a kind of device where it can be very difficult to know which product I'm talking about. It's one thing to have a product in your hand with a label that says, you know, this is, you know, Act version one, model one, you know, product of whatever it is. It's much more difficult when we talk about software, software systems, integrated software systems to know exactly which products I'm talking about and having a way of, a standardized way of identifying devices, the software, um, I think will help all of us to, to know which products we're actually talking about and to be able to, to identify and resolve problems much more quickly. So yeah, I do believe that, that malware is one of those issues that UDI can help those who are involved in identifying and resolving those problems to, to work on much more efficiently. What would the UDI system for medical devices mean for healthcare providers? For instance, would they need to record the IDs in, in the electronic health records of patients? And would that also make it easier for healthcare providers to notice a pattern of problems with medical devices that they might want to report to the FDA? Exactly. Currently, FDA doesn't have regulatory oversight over healthcare, practice of healthcare. Um, but we are working with many of our partners, for example, the Office of National Coordinator for Health IT, 
with the Joint Commission, with the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, on what the adoption and implementation will look like. And so one of the one of our prime interests, as you mentioned, um, is really the documentation of device use and implement implantation in patients' electronic health records. Um, we believe there's a whole host of benefits that can accrue from that not the least of which is patients knowing exactly which device they have. You know, one of the big issues, for example, in, in some of these implant recalls is for patients to know, do I have that implant or not? Um, and subtle differences between products, it can be very difficult sometimes to know. Um, it, also has, um, it also has implications for revision surgery and a whole host of other activities. So uh, we have been working with ONC on what kinds of requirements should be in place for the recordation of UDI, you know, whether that's a meaningful use stage three or some other um, kind of requirement is yet to be seen. Um, but we're very interested in seeing it, seeing that done, seeing that be part of the process, both into electronic health records as well as uh, patients' personal health records. And then for that to be available in a HIPAA-compliant limited data set for researchers, for clinicians, to be able to look for, from a research perspective, look for trends or be able to validate signals, as I've talked about before, we really see that um, as being a cornerstone, and that's, um, that also leads to, to the Sentinel initiative that I mentioned before, which is really utilizing population-based data sets that exist already to answer public health questions. So we see that notion of device use documentation based on UDI and EHRs as being a very much a cornerstone of the agency's uh, post-market surveillance plan um, in the future, and so we are working um, to, to really put that into effect and hope that it becomes part of the normal routine, just as pharmaceutical products are documented based on their NDCs and patients' electronic health records or other kinds of uh, clinical documentation. We see um, for most devices, not all obviously, but for most devices, that recordation using UDI is being central to our ability to conduct effective post-market surveillance in the future. The public comment period for the UDI proposed rule just closed. What sort of comments did you get? We got quite a few. Most of them are not particularly um, surprising. I mean, they're, they're conversations that we've had or have been having with both uh, healthcare providers and, and others in the healthcare system as well as medical device manufacturers. I think in general they probably fall into to two categories. One is folks wanting some more clarity around how UDI would apply to certain device types. Um, the proposed rule is kind of a general framework. Um, it describes for generally for medical devices how UDI should be applied. Medical devices covers a very wide range of, of product types. I mean, we've talked about software, for example. Um, we have lots of different kinds of devices. So how UDI should be applied in all these various states is something that uh, requires some more work. Um, so many of the comments are looking for some clarity in the final rule or trying to understand how it would apply to their devices. The other set of comments probably relates really towards implementation and folks either wanting some more specificity or some clarity around what exactly UDI would look like um, for them, and this is particularly from, I'd say, the healthcare space, um, both from a timing and data format perspective. We've laid out a timeline in the proposed rule, which is which for some is reasonable and, and for some is too short and for some is too long. So uh, we have a, a number of comments that would like, particularly from, I'd say, healthcare providers who would like to see all of this happen much more quickly 
than the uh, basically five-year implementation timeline that we've introduced. And many want fewer options. We've uh, allowed for a lot of flexibility in the implementation of UDI, both in terms of the data structure. There's a number of different uh, standards development organizations that can be used, as well as the symbology. We've taken, in contrast to the FDA pharmaceutical barcode rule, which required that the NDC be in a linear barcode only, we were taking in the UDI an approach that allows any technology to be used as long as it meets the standards that they're using. And so there's there's a tension here that I think we need to be cognizant of and really be careful as we move forward in understanding um, how this is going to work. So those are kind of the, the broad level comments that we received, and we will, of course, take all of these into consideration during the development of the final rule. When will the final rule be published, and when will the new IDs begin to get phased in for medical devices? We are required by the recent FDA Safety and Innovation Act to publish the final rule six months after the closure of the comment period. So the comment period closed November 7th, which puts us into to basically mid-May for us to publish the final rule. And we will work diligently to do that. That's a, that's a very short timeline to, uh, to actually draft clear a final rule, but we will, we will work diligently to do that. So if we assume May of 2013 is the publication of the final rule, as I mentioned before, we have a stepwise implementation based on pre-market risk class. Uh, so our class three devices would have to meet all of the requirements of UDI one year after publication of the final rule. So that means that all these high-risk devices would have to meet the UDI by May of 2014. Class two devices, uh, three years after publication of the final rule, and class one devices, again, our lowest risk devices, five years after publication of the final rule. That's at least what the proposed rule, that was the timeline outlined in the proposed rule. We'll have to see what the comments say and and see whether that changes um, at all one way or another. Thanks, Jay. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee for Healthcare Info Security. Thanks for listening.